0: GROW, DEVELOP, SUCCEED. WE ARE GROWING A KINGDOM. WE ARE DEVELOPING OUR CHARACTER. AND WE SUCCEED BY DOING THE CALL OF GOD ON OUR LIVES IN OUR LOCAL CHURCH AND COMMUNITY. Hallelujah. PASTOR RICK, OVER THE LAST FEW uh, MONTHS, HAS TAUGHT US ABOUT GETTING OUR DREAMS BACK. GETTING OUR DREAMS BACK AND DETOXING OURSELVES FROM THINGS THAT AREN'T GOOD FOR THE BODY. THE SOUL AND THE MIND. I WAS REALLY TORN ABOUT WHAT TO to SPEAK ABOUT TODAY, BUT I THINK I WANT TO PIGGYBACK ON WHAT PASTOR RICK HAS BEEN TEACHING AND TALK TO US ABOUT WHAT DEFINES YOU. WHAT DEFINES YOU. WHAT YOU BELIEVE. WHAT YOU BELIEVE ABOUT YOUR GOD AND ALSO WHAT YOU BELIEVE ABOUT YOURSELF. Belief is a very important thing. Belief has everything to do with the philosophy that you live by, your vision, your purpose, your goals. As Christians, we must understand what God is most concerned about is belief. Believing in him, he says, I know you're weak. I know you make mistakes. I know you err along the way, but if you believe me, It is counted unto you as righteousness. Let that sink in this morning. I know you're not right. Turn to your neighbor and tell somebody, I know you're not right. (laughs) Even though you try and even though you labor and even though you commit and even though you work on it and even though you pray and even though you cry and even though you repent, the very best of us fall short of the righteousness of God. There are moments in your life that you wouldn't want to show up here on the screen. There are some things you're thinking right now that if it was in that loudspeaker, you wouldn't wouldn't want anybody else to hear it. (laughs) But then God says, if you believe, your belief is counted unto you as righteousness. It will make the difference between where you fell short AND WHAT GOD CALLS YOU TO BE. THE LAST MILE OF THE WAY IS SIMPLY FILLED IN BY FAITH. HE SAID, I WILL MARK YOUR ACCOUNT UP AS IF YOU WERE RIGHTEOUS EVEN THOUGH YOU'RE NOT RIGHTEOUS JUST BECAUSE YOU BELIEVE ME. ABRAHAM BELIEVED GOD, THE BIBLE SAYS IT WAS COUNTED UNTO HIM AS RIGHTEOUSNESS JUST BECAUSE HE BELIEVED GOD. That's why you have to be careful about judging people because you see what they did, but you don't know what they believe, and you don't know how God wrote it down in the Lamb's Book of Life because God could have counted their belief as righteousness. This is the condemnation that has come into the world that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. What God is concerned about in us is the fact that we do not believe God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him shall not perish but have everlasting life it's so simple we miss it all the time every Sunday pastor Rick tells us it's not about raising our hands and our actions it's about confessing with our mouths and believing in our hearts We try to give God works. We try to to give Him all kinds of sacrifices, thinking that we're doing good, wearing our Thrive T-shirts to the fair, putting our bumper stickers on the back of our car, and we carry around our coffee mugs and carry around our Bibles bigger than a two-year-old baby. None of that is going to count as much as simply taking God at His Word, believing what He said about you, walking in his truth and clarity and having peace of mind. The enemy does everything he can to just tear down your belief system, to destroy your belief system. If you open up a business, if you have and run your own company, one of the things you have is vision, purpose, and goals. And you write them down so all your staff, all your team, all your customers can know, this is who I am. I am defined by my vision, my purpose, and my goals. If you know who you are, then you know who you are not. In our Thrive Church manual, our first chapter is devoted to who we are, our vision statement, our purpose, our goals. If you don't know who you are, somebody will place an identity on you that isn't of God and you will find yourself morphing into whatever they want you to be. That happens to a lot of people. Some of us have been many different people, depending upon who we were with. Because we don't know who we are. We become whoever they want us to be, and then when they leave us, we are confused because we have no real understanding who we are. This morning, we're talking about what you believe defines you. Paul says, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. Before Paul brings up Christ, he talks about self. We're so amazed that he believes in God to the point that we overlook the fact he believes in himself. I can do all things. Somebody say, I can do all things. Wouldn't it be amazing if you believed that? Wouldn't you sleep well tonight if you truly believed I can do all things? Wouldn't you walk around with your head held high and your back straight if you believed that? You wouldn't be intimidated by anybody, anywhere, at any time if you just believed that. Can you imagine how different a job interview would go if you walked in and they asked you, what are you capable of? And you replied, I can do all things." We quote it, but we don't believe it. Not like we should. Not like we need to. Especially for the level of devil we fight. People aren't blessed because they have more. Life is an equal opportunity experience. Most of us come into the world healthy and whole. What you do with what God gave you is left up to you." In fact, when it comes to faith, the Bible says He has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So away with these superheroes in the church that claim to have more faith than anybody else in the church, God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. It would not be right for salvation to be based on belief and then God not give me enough belief to be saved. We have the same stuff. We just don't all get to the same results. <coughs> Romans twelve three says, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. Let me ask you this question. How much faith do you have in the measure of faith God gave you let me ask again how much faith do you have in the measure of faith God dealt to you do you think maybe God gave you a smaller measure of his faith than he gave anyone else God is no respecter of persons right THE MEASURE YOU WERE GIVEN WHEN YOU RECEIVED JESUS AS LORD WAS ENOUGH TO CAUSE YOU TO BE BORN AGAIN. IT IS ENOUGH TO BRING VICTORY OVER ANYTHING THE WORLD CAN THROW AT YOU. WHEN YOU MADE JESUS CHRIST THE LORD OF YOUR LIFE, THE FAITH OF GOD TOOK UP RESIDENCE IN YOUR HEART. IT IS THE GIFT OF GOD. THE BIBLE SAYS IN EPHESIANS CHAPTER 2 VERSE 8, FOR BY GRACE ARE ye SAVED THROUGH FAITH AND THAT NOT OF YOURSELVES, IT IS THE GIFT OF GOD. EVERYTHING IN THIS VERSE IS THE GIFT OF GOD. THE GRACE IS THE GIFT OF GOD. THE SALVATION IS THE GIFT OF GOD. AND THE FAITH TO RECEIVE SALVATION IS THE GIFT OF GOD. IT IS NOT HUMAN OR PSYCHOLOGICAL FAITH. THE FAITH THAT WAS IMPARTED TO YOU WHEN YOU BECAME A NEW CREATION IS GOD'S OWN BRAND OF FAITH. ACCORDING TO JESUS, IF YOU ARE, if you are A WHOSOEVER, You can and should have the mountain-moving faith of God. The gift of God's faith was given to you to keep. It resides within your spirit. It It is there to develop you and to be used in your daily life. Hebrews 10, 38 says, Now the just shall live by faith. God has given you this powerful faith to sustain you in this life. If ye have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, Ye shall say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. It is so powerful that even a measure as big as a mustard seed. Do you guys know what a mustard seed looks like? I know I have some cooks in this place. It can it can pluck up a mountain. It can pluck up a mountain. AND BE CAST INTO THE SEA. THE MEASURE OF FAITH YOU RECEIVE IS ENOUGH TO DO WHATEVER IT IS CALLED TO DO. AND JESUS IS THE AUTHOR AND FINISHER OF IT. GOD IS A FAITH BEING. YOU ARE BORN OF HIM. YOU'RE A FAITH BEING. GOD DOES NOT DO ANYTHING OUTSIDE OF FAITH. WITH HIS FAITH LIVING IN YOU, YOU ARE TO OPERATE THE SAME WAY. HEBREWS eleven six 6 SAYS, BUT WITHOUT FAITH IT IS IMPOSSIBLE TO PLEASE HIM, FOR HE THAT COMETH TO GOD MUST BELIEVE THAT HE IS AND THAT HE IS A REWARDER OF THEM THAT DILIGENTLY SEEK HIM. I WANT TO TALK TO YOU THIS MORNING ABOUT A MAN WHO WAS MEANT TO SHAKE THE NATIONS. A MAN THAT WAS MEANT TO SIT WITH KINGS a man that was meant to lead millions of people, a man that was meant to be revered amongst all other men. But at the time we meet him in this text, he is a runaway criminal hiding in the woods, in the dark, trembling like a child. How could you have such a great destiny and be in such a horrific situation? I'm talking about Moses. I WANT YOU TO UNDERSTAND THAT THE PREDICAMENT THAT YOU ARE IN RIGHT NOW DOES NOT DEFINE YOUR DESTINY. CAN I SAY IT AGAIN? I WANT YOU TO UNDERSTAND THAT THE PREDICAMENT THAT YOU ARE IN RIGHT NOW DOES NOT DEFINE YOUR DESTINY. AMEN. AMEN. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God was going to choose Moses to address kings and lead millions of people out of bondage. And he chose someone who you know stuttered to negotiate deliverance. He was hidden as a baby. His identity was hidden. His greatness was hidden. His destiny was hidden. His purpose was hidden. It wasn't like he was bounced around and nurtured like our babies, you know, when they come into this world. He didn't have the normal environment. He spent his early months hidden in the house and then his mama put him in a basket to float down the river with alligators, crocodiles, and snakes by himself. He was abandoned. He was adopted. He was an Egyptian by situation, but a Hebrew by birth. That's confusing. What language, what culture, what God, what ceremonies, what religion? He was a mixture of so many things. His name, Moses, means to be drawn out. And I think that when greatness is inside of you, it has to be drawn out. Greatness is drawn out of some people just by being next to great people. They see greatness in other people, and it draws out the greatness inside of them. Some people's greatness is drawn out by challenges and and difficulties. They don't even know they're great until something happens in their life. The Bible says that when the lion roared, the spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. Sometimes it's the attack that draws greatness out of you. You don't even know you're great until the lion roars, until all hell breaks loose, until everybody faints around you, and you decide something has to be done. Sometimes it's the trouble you avoid that God is using to draw the greatness out of your life. Why would God have made Moses a leader? He was a confused man who tried to take matters into his own hands, and he ended up murdering a man and had to run out of his own house. He leaves Egypt, a refugee on the run in a mess, and tries to make a new life for himself. He finds refuge with the Midianites, a little group of people who didn't even know who he was. They thought he was an Egyptian, he was a Hebrew. Sometimes you find yourself around people who think you are something that you are not, just so you can blend in. And if they knew who you really were, they might not have let you in in the first place. But the reason it's so easy to deceive them is because you're not sure who you are either. It's not that you're evil or wicked. It's not that you're evil or wicked, it's just that you're confused, vulnerable, susceptible. And when you don't know who you are, you become whatever people call you, like Jacob who became what they called him. His name meant trickster. His name meant card artist. His name meant scammer. It wasn't until Jacob had an encounter with God that he fully understood who he was. God tells him who his name is, your name is not Jacob. YOUR NAME IS ISRAEL! YOU ARE A PRINCE! THERE'S SOME THINGS ON THE INSIDE OF YOU THAT HAVEN'T BEEN DRAWN OUT YET. IT'S NOT OVER. 43 YEARS OLD ON THIS EARTH, AND I STILL HAVE THINGS IN ME THAT HAVE NOT BEEN DRAWN OUT. THAT'S WHY I WOKE UP THIS MORNING. GOD GAVE ME ANOTHER DAY TO GIVE ME A CHANCE TO DRAW IT OUT. And at the time, we find Moses on the backside of the desert. We know he's over 40. We know he's over 40 because he spent 40 years in Egypt and another 40 years on the backside of the desert. He was 80 years old. All of you who feel like you got it together, and you're like, not even 80 yet, I have a newsflash for you. It takes a long time to figure life out give yourself some time stop trying to be too smart too fast it takes a while to draw out who you are god in a burning bush appears unto moses and he tells him to take off his shoes for the ground where he is standing was holy ground and at nearly 80 years old god unfolds his destiny isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Do I have any people who are over 80 in this place? Anybody 80? I know we have a few. Maybe they're not here today, but I know we have a few. God unfolds Moses' destiny at 80 years old. Hallelujah. And here I stand trying to convince myself that at 43, somehow I figured out life and I still do some dumb stuff. I still do some dumb stuff, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm better than I used to be. I'm smarter than I used to be. I'm wiser than I used to be. I haven't mastered it yet, but I'm still working on it. Even now, I will find myself sometimes reverting back to thinking like I used to think or feeling like I used to feel. He's not finished. SOMEBODY SAY, HE'S NOT FINISHED. HE'S NOT FINISHED. HALLELUJAH. HE'S NOT FINISHED. HALLELUJAH. HE'S NOT FINISHED WITH YOU YET. IN ESSENCE, GOD HAS GIVEN THIS HUGE ASSIGNMENT TO MOSES TO GO AND TELL PHARAOH, TELL HIM, LET MY PEOPLE GO. AND HE GAVE THE ASSIGNMENT TO SOMEBODY WHO WAS RUNNING. HE GAVE SOMEBODY THE ASSIGNMENT WHO WAS HIDING. AND HE GAVE IT TO SOMEBODY WHO WAS STILL CONFUSED and vulnerable and insecure and intimidated and he gave it to somebody who couldn't get his words out like others you would be an old man waiting for Moses to get his sentence out I don't know so if you're feeling small inside of you it doesn't mean that you don't have a great call we come to our text this morning in Exodus chapter 4 Verse 1 through 5. Hallelujah. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me nor hearken unto my voice, for they say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is in thy hand? And he said, A rod. Verse 3. And he said, cast it on the ground, and he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled before it. Verse 4. Before I read that, see, when you start running from one thing, you're going to run from everything. That's why you need to stop running and face whatever you have to face and deal with whatever you have to deal with because if you run from Pharaoh, you are going to also run from the servant. Where are you going, Moses? Stop running. You'll never be Moses if you keep running from stuff that scares you. Moses, you'll never be great if you keep running from stuff that scares you. You are running from something that God just gave you. Verse 4 says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Pour forth thine hand, and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand, and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. I can just hear Moses saying, I am so scared. I just went running from this thing that turned into a serpent, and now you're asking me to take it by the tail? Visualize this. How many of you want to grab a serpent by the tail? God can call you to grab some stuff you are scared of. So Moses reached out and took hold of the serpent and it turned back into a staff in his hand. Verse 5, that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath appeared unto thee. I want to go back for a moment and process what we heard. God, I would do it, but they will not believe me. Was it really that they would not believe, or is he imposing on them something that is really coming from him? Whatever you have been saying about they might really be you. They won't accept me. They won't love me. They can't really actually use me. They'll never embrace me. You will never get anybody to embrace you until you embrace yourself. You'll never get anybody to believe in you until you believe in yourself. You'll never get anybody to love you until you love yourself. Now, God says to him, I want you to go speak for me, Moses. And he replies by saying, they will not believe me. God says, what is in your hand? Why didn't he address what Moses was saying about they? Because what he believed about they was just a reflection of what he believed about self. What is in your hand? Before you assign your destiny to something externally, you have to assess what is in your hand. While you keep crying about what is not in your hand, God said, I don't need anything that's not in your hand to bless you. I'm going to use something that is already in your hand. All the other voices that have been talking to you and have been telling you what you don't have, God does not need anything that you don't have. He's going to bless you with what he has already given you. Your blessing is hidden in what is in your hand. The problem is you you have this limited perception of what is in your hand. You compare yourself. I don't got what she's got. She's doing some great things. She's she's got greatness. I, I I don't got what she's got. God says I don't need what she's got. I need what I gave you. Moses, what is in your hand? What is in your hand? You think it's just a rod. You think it's just a stick. You think it's just a stick. God says, I want to show you the potential of what is in your hand. Throw it down. This is a powerful thing because if Moses does not learn this in private, it will mess him up in public. Because when he gets down to the Red Sea, he's going to have to use that same rod to part the Red Sea. SO IF HE DOESN'T HAVE CONFIDENCE IN PRIVATE, HE WON'T HAVE ANY POWER IN PUBLIC. YOU'RE GOING TO NEED WHAT you GOT. you GOT MORE THAN YOU THINK YOU DO. YOU CAN DO MORE THAN YOU THINK YOU CAN DO. YOU CAN HAVE MORE THAN YOU THINK YOU CAN HAVE. THE PROBLEM IS NOT COMING FROM WHAT THEY BELIEVE, IT'S COMING FROM WHAT YOU BELIEVE. STOP BLAMING PEOPLE FOR THE YEARS WASTED. IT'S NOT COMING FROM THEM, MOSES. YOU MESSED UP IN FRONT OF THEM, NOW YOU'RE MESSING UP IN PRIVATE, AND IT CAN'T BE COMING FROM THEM, THEY'RE NOT EVEN HERE. THE VOICES YOU ARE HEARING ARE NOT THEY. THE VOICES YOU ARE HEARING ARE IN YOUR OWN HEAD. THE LORD SAID unto HIM, PUT FORTH thy HAND, AND TAKE THE SNAKE BY THE TAIL. AND HE PUT FORTH HIS HAND, AND HE CAUGHT IT, AND RETURNED BACK INTO A STICK IN HIS HAND. SOMETIMES YOU WILL NOT SEE THE TRANSFORMATION until you believe. It will only turn into a staff when it is picked up. You don't even know what you have until you pick it up. God has told you to do some things and you've been too scared and been hiding too long going around the same old mountain and the same old mountain because you're too scared to pick up what God has already given you. It will only turn into a staff when it is picked up. It's going to turn in your hand, not in your eye. In your hand when you grab it, it's going to change when you touch it, when you grab it. You grab it by faith. This is mine. This is mine. This is mine. God asked him to grab what he just got through running from. If I was scared enough to run from it the first time, and then God says, Misty, pick it up, I'd be like, no, God. I'm not going to lie. I'd be really, really frightened and afraid. Matter of fact, um, we, uh, my mom was doing laundry one, one time and she was on the floor and there was a water Moxican that was uh, in the clothes. But she didn't reveal the snake being there until she had got through, you know, already sorting some of it. And when she got to it, my mom was so still, man, she was calm. She didn't even like flinch and she tells me, Missy, go get a butcher knife. I was just a little girl. I was just like, "Mm, maybe like seven. Oh man, I was so scared. I was scared for my mom. I was scared for myself. And I had to go back and face that snake. and I didn't want to do it. But my mom showed me the ropes and she was just like, if anybody is against chopping up snakes, I'm sorry. But (laughs) she did, she killed that thing. And she was valiant and I was so proud of her. She showed me a good example about not being afraid and facing our fear. So just imagine this, okay? If there was a water moxican or a copperhead or a rattlesnake in your house and the voice of the Lord said, take it by the tail. Now, I could grab it if I thought I could handle it. But if I thought I could handle it, (laughs) I would have never ran from it. Now you want me to grab something that I don't think I could handle and you're trying to show me, God, that I can. Now if God tells you to pick up something in your life, it might not be a water moccasin or copperhead or rattlesnake, but it might be raising a child or getting married or giving love. It depends on what you've been running from. God is calling you to pick up what you've been running from. God will often bless you the greatest through the thing you are most afraid of. Take it by the hand. You're not going to see it until you pick it up. It's not going to change in your hand. You cannot overcome what you will confront. It is going to change in your hand. Praise God. Exodus 4 5 9. Exodus 4 9. That they might believe the Lord God of their fathers. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared unto them until thee. Then the Lord said further unto him, Put now thine hand into the bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. God said, They're going to believe when you do. They're going to love when you do. They're going to value you when you do. Now, take that leprous hand and put it back into your bosom and then take it out and it came out healed God said do you see how I can control situations that I can control the outcome there was no cure for leprosy if you had leprosy you died so God said I'm going to show you a terminal disease and then I'm going to take it away that's the boss you work for That's who you're working for. That's what I'm able to do. Why are you afraid? And verse 8 says, And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. Verse 9, And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto the voice. Wait a minute. Thy voice? (coughs) Didn't Moses have a speech impediment? Didn't he, DIDN'T HE STUTTER? WAIT, so, SO IF THEY DON'T BELIEVE THE MIRACLES, THEY HAVE TO BELIEVE THE VOICE OF A GUY WHO CAN'T EVEN TALK WITHOUT STUTTERING? WHY WOULD GOD ASK THIS GUY OUT OF ALL PEOPLE TO TALK? HE USES A GUY WHO, who TAKES A LONG TIME TO GET HIS POINT ACROSS. AND IT SAYS if, if, IF THEY DON'T BELIEVE THE STAFF TURNING INTO A SNAKE, AND IF THEY DON'T BELIEVE THE LEPROSY BEING HEALED They will hearken unto my voice. What? God is going to use the weakest part of Moses to do the greatest thing that has ever been done. Yes, God's strength is made perfect in your weakness. If God wanted a guy that could talk good, he would have had one. He wanted a guy who talked like this. I'm going to use you scared Moses, I'm going to use you nervous Moses, I'm going to use you stuttering Moses, and I'm going to use you in spite of your insecurities and your incompetence, but I cannot use your unbelief. What they think is not the problem. What you're scared of is not the problem. The thing that, they, that, 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 that you can't do, talk, is not the problem. The problem I'm having with you, Moses, is your belief. Five times in this Exodus passage, the word believe is there. Five times God tells Moses, believe. Not one time, the God who healed leprosy, not one time did he say, Moses, I'm going to heal you from stuttering. Now you know if you can heal leprosy, you can surely heal stuttering. And he left him struggling with the little thing because the little things will not stop you from doing the great things. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. The problem, the reason God appeared in the burning bush to Moses in the first place, the reason he asked Moses the question, what is in your hand? Because God is challenging what Moses believes. I'm not talking about what you say. I know how to say the right stuff. I'm talking about what you believe about yourself. You've been taught how to imitate faith. You talk the big game. But you go home and you live out your unbelief. If you believe you are unlovable, you will always be unlovable. YOU CAN DRESS UP GOOD, YOU CAN SMELL GOOD, YOU CAN WORK OUT, YOU CAN BE COOL, YOU CAN BE HIP, BUT NONE OF THAT WILL OVERCOME THE BELIEF THAT YOU HAVE IN YOUR HEART, THAT YOUR LIFE IS OVER, THAT YOU'VE MADE TOO MANY MISTAKES, THAT YOU'RE TOO OLD TO GET ANYTHING DONE IN THE KINGDOM. THESE THINGS THAT YOU BELIEVE HAVE BECOME YOUR VISION STATEMENT. IT IS YOUR PURPOSE AND ANNOYINGLY IT HAS BECOME YOUR GOALS. TO LIVE OUT THE WORDS AND TO REHEARSE THAT YOU REHEARSE TO YOURSELF. SO YOU'RE BUSY TRYING TO GET EVERYBODY ELSE TO LIKE SOMETHING YOU DON'T LIKE. YOU'RE TRYING TO CONVINCE EVERYBODY ELSE THAT YOU ARE SOMETHING THAT YOU DON'T EVEN BELIEVE. FAITH OF ANY KIND COMES BY HEARING. I WAS GROWING UP, I HEARD A LOT OF STUFF ABOUT ME PERSONALLY THAT WEREN'T TRUE. BUT WHEN A PERSON'S MAD AT YOU, And and maybe they're not saved like they should be saved. And they say some really nasty things. Really nasty things. And those voices, whether we like it or not, get carried through our lifetime. And we have to battle those voices. See, you didn't believe you were dumb until somebody told you you were dumb. You didn't believe you couldn't learn until somebody told you, you couldn't learn. You didn't believe you were unattractive until somebody told you, you were unattractive. Your unbelief is a result of something you heard about yourself and that you believed about yourself. See, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, but what defines you, what YOU BELIEVED TO FIND YOU, AND and YOU MIGHT HAVE TOOK SOMETHING THAT WASN'T THE WORD OF GOD. AND YOU you APPLIED THAT INTO YOUR THINKING. AND SEE, THAT'S THE the DOOR OF ENTRY RIGHT THERE. AND YOU ALLOWED THAT TO to BECOME YOUR VISION STATEMENT, YOUR PHILOSOPHY, the, THE THING THAT YOU LIVE BY, THE THING THAT YOU SAY IN PRIVATE ABOUT YOURSELF THAT NOBODY ELSE MIGHT HEAR, BUT YOU'RE SAYING THOSE SAME THINGS that you heard before, no matter how you've come along and no matter how much you've excelled, and no matter how much success success that you have in your life, see some of those things, they creep in because you've never changed what you believe about yourself. Those are curses that were pronounced over you, those curses that said you couldn't do this or, or that. And the more that you heard it and rehearsed it and argued about it, and said you didn't believe it, every time you face a challenge, tell me the truth, does those voices come back? Every time you hit a low place, don't those voices come back? Every time things go wrong, don't those voices come back? You never changed your belief. Look, I'm not saying that we don't believe in God. We, we really, really, really believe in God. In fact, I'M I'm EVEN WONDERING RIGHT NOW, HOW CAN WE SO MUCH BELIEVE IN GOD AND BE GOING THROUGH WHAT WE'RE GOING THROUGH WHEN WE ARE SO GOOD AT BELIEVING IN GOD, BUT WE ARE SO BAD AT BELIEVING IN OURSELVES. YOU AND YOUR BODY ARE REACTING TO THOSE WORDS AND VOICES. YOU WILL NEVER COMPLETELY BE HEALED OR WHOLE UNTIL YOU CHANGE THE VOICE INSIDE OF YOUR OWN HEAD. AND NOBODY, NOBODY CAN DO THIS BUT YOU. New friends can't do it. A new figure because of weight loss can't do it. New clothes can't do it. More money can't do it. More women or men can't do it. More sex can't do it. They can camouflage it, but they can't cure it because you are snared by the words you think and the words that come out of your own mouth. You can't get enough people to tell you you're pretty if you think you're ugly. That's why you keep needing more. UNTIL YOU CHANGE THE WORDS THAT ARE are IN YOUR HEAD, YOUR OPPORTUNITIES WILL CONTINUE TO hemorrhage LIKE THE WOMAN WITH THE ISSUE OF BLOOD, HER ISSUES WERE KILLING HER. SHE HAD EXHAUSTED ALL OF HER FUNDS. SHE HAD SOLD EVERY DOCTOR, NO OTHER DOCTORS. THEY DIDN'T EVEN KNOW WHAT TO DO FOR HER ANYMORE, SO SHE JUST STOPPED COMING. AND SHE, SHE, I'M SURE SHE SAID, I'M SURE SHE HEARD THE VOICES, I'M DYING. but it wasn't until she met Jesus, she changed her story. She told herself and she said, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. If I may but touch, it is what she said to herself she didn't say it to anybody else. She said it to herself. If I may but touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. Over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Because when you're trying to drive out stinking thinking, you have to say it over and over and over and over and over again. If I may but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. If I may but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. Day three, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. Day four. For if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I will be be made whole. You need to start talking to yourself. Talk to your mind. Talk to your crisis. Talk to your situation. Change your story. Pastor Rick asked us during his detox series to detox things that hinder us in our relationship with God. To read the Word of God. Pray and spend more time with our Heavenly Father. Know what he says about you. And to speak... Positive confessions Over your life To change old habits That hinder us What's the significance of doing it in 21 days Last uh, week was our uh, Ending of our 21 days What is the significance Of doing it for 21 days I'm not a neuro- neuro- I am not a neuro—I can not even say it I'm not a psychologist I'm not a neurologist But I DO KNOW A LITTLE BIT ABOUT THEOLOGY, AND I KNOW THAT IT DOESN'T TAKE GOD 21 DAYS TO BLESS ME. I KNOW IF GOD WANTED TO DO IT ON THE FIRST DAY, HE WOULD DO IT ON THE FIRST DAY. THAT'S THE GOD THAT WE SERVE. BUT IN RESEARCHING IN THE BOOK OF DANIEL, THE BIBLE SAYS THAT DANIEL WAS LOCKED UP IN THE LION'S DEN. AND THE BIBLE SAID THAT DANIEL PRAYED FOR 21 DAYS. AND GOD SENT THE ANSWER. YOU MIGHT NOT SEE IT THE FIRST DAY, YOU MIGHT NOT SEE IT THE FOURTH DAY, YOU MIGHT NOT SEE IT THE TWELFTH DAY, BUT THE BIBLE SAYS IN 21 DAYS. I KNOW IT DOESN'T TAKE GOD 21 DAYS TO BLESS ME. SO WHY DID IT TAKE GOD 21 DAYS TO GIVE DANIEL A BREAKTHROUGH? DIDN'T YOU HEAR HIM THE FIRST DAY, GOD? GOD SAID, KEEP ON READING. I SENT THE ANSWER ON THE FIRST DAY, BUT THE ANSWER HAD TO FIGHT THROUGH THE DEMONIC WARFARE FOR 21 DAYS. THE BIBLE SAID AFTER 21 DAYS, HE GOT HIS BREAKTHROUGH. HE GOT HIS BREAKTHROUGH. SEE THERE ARE PRINCIPALITIES AND POWERS OF DARKNESS AND ANGELS. SATAN ASSIGNS DEMONS TO STOP GOD'S ANSWER. Of getting to you but in 21 days Daniel got his breakthrough praise God praise God it is your confession 21 days he prayed and kneeled on his knees do you guys know the story of Daniel and that image in our children's church and, and Daniel's on his knees and he's every day he has his window curtains open everybody can see him praying TO THE HOLY OF holies, 21 DAYS, MUSICIANS COME UP, PLEASE COME UP, PLEASE COME UP, <coughs> THE ENEMY CAN ONLY HOLD IT BACK SO LONG, THE ENEMY CAN ONLY HOLD BACK GOD'S ANSWER TO YOU FOR SO long. You have to be the one to press